worship pastors here for two years at the Lone Tree Campus. Um, but what we haven't talked about is what's on the other side. And we've had a lot of questions on what is worship going to be like at Lone Tree, who's going to lead it. Well, I'm, I'm happy to announce um, to our entire Lone Tree congregation that we have brought over uh, Pastor Jonathan and Gina Wood as our full-time worship pastors. Jonathan and Gina have actually worked for this church multiple times and done wore multiple hats. Um, I believe, and I think that you guys would probably agree, that Jonathan and Gina are probably one of the most anointed worship-leading couples I've ever met in this entire world or I've ever heard on this planet. Um, they are both anointed by God. They have obviously incredible talents and abilities, but their hearts for God and their hearts to bring people into the throne room and worshiping the Lord is unmatched. Um, and so we are so excited to have them here uh, full time, and it's just a huge blessing. So make sure if you see John and Gina here um, any point over the next few months, just to give them a good welcome from our Lone Tree family. It's such a pleasure to have them here. One more time, would you guys just give it up for Jonathan and Gina? Thank you, guys. Along with that, you guys may be asking, well, some of you know that Jonathan and Gene were actually the worship pastors over at our Lakewood campus, and they've done a great job helping um, spearhead that campus and get that thing rolling. Um, and Pastor Evan actually has been so gracious to be able to give up to such, such um, high-capacity uh, worship leaders to this campus. Um, but here's the, here's the way that we do things inside at, at JFC. We believe that our responsibility and one of the things that God has gifted us as a church in doing is raising up new leaders. So Pastor Jonathan and Gina have actually worked really hard at, at um, feeding and, and raising up and really training uh, jo uh, Josh, um, my, my mind just went blank, Josh Pruitt, excuse me, we have so many Joshes around here, um, Josh Pruitt, um, and Josh has been working underneath Pastor Jonathan and Gina, he's been being trained up, God's been doing some really cool things, and we felt like it was a wonderful opportunity to let him take it to the next level, so over at the Lakewood campus, Josh Pruitt has stepped into the full-time worship pastor position at that campus, um, and he is just doing an incredible job. Along with that have been a few other promotions and things that have happened, one specifically that we're super excited about here at the Lone Tree campus, but at all campuses as well, and that is J.J. Matot. Some of you guys may know that name. J.J. Matot has actually stepped out of the facilities role here at the Lone Tree campus and stepped into a full-time assistant worship pastor role. We see the giftings and the talents and the calling of God on his life to be a worship pastor, and so now we're laying a foundation for them to be able to walk that out. So you'll be seeing some more of him in this campus as well. But God's doing some cool things. And like we said before, how many of you know when God's in control, you just kind of let him do what he wants to do, and we just let the, let the spirit flow through that process, and that's what's happening here. So we are just so excited. But again, make sure that you guys say hi to Jonathan and Gina and welcome them with a wonderful welcome. Hey, last announcement. Um, just this last week, our uh, JFC offices over the Highlands, by the Highlands Ranch campus opened officially. We took a whole day and a half on Tuesday and Wednesday moving all of our stuff from all of our campuses over to our consolidated offices. And now every pastor and staff member at JFC across all four of our campuses office together out of one single location. And it's because of the faithfulness of the people of this church who have given to this Believe campaign, who have seen what God is doing through this process that has made this possible. And we, from the bottom of our hearts, want to say thank you. We've already seen over this last week what great synergy and life that can come out of being um, just in the midst of all the other pastors and staff here in this church. And it's such an incredible thing. I would encourage you to go check out those offices. Uh, our our uh, address is actually on the website to go see those. 
two things with that. There are no more offices here at the Lone Tree Campus. There's a few empty offices, but those are going to be knocked down here pretty quickly. You guys are going to start seeing some construction down in the basement of our facilities here. We're expanding our children's ministries. We're expanding our youth ministry areas. We're expanding our nursery ministry areas. So over the next few months, you guys are going to see some dust, and you're going to see some construction. We're going to clean it up before all the weekends, but we ask that you guys would work with us, especially if you have little ones downstairs. Just know this is what God is doing, and it's such a cool thing. The second thing is, is don't come to Lone Tree anymore if you need to meet with somebody, if you need to talk to a pastor, if you need to, to just come to the JFC offices. No longer at the Lone Tree campus will we house any of that. So you need to make sure to grab all of our information online as to our office hours and the new location. But we're so excited. This is the year of believe. We believe God for greater things. And we have just taken a huge leap forward in what he's been doing through this. And we're going to continue to move forward and see all that God's going to do through this process. Hey, lastly here at JFC, we don't pass plates or buckets for our offerings. We are just faithful all week in and week out to give our tithes and our offerings. As always, we say thank you to each and every one of you for being faithful to hearing from the Lord and giving out of the gratefulness of your heart. But we want to take a moment in our service to thank God for what he's done for us. So would you pray with me? Lord, you are so great. You're our provider. And even as we talk about the idea of believe, Father, what we believe in is that you are great. And that you provide in abundance, Lord God. We stand in a place that we believe that your desire is to bless us in great capacities and to continue to shower down your great provision. God, we just love you. And as we give this weekend, Lord, we do it out of a, a heart that says thank you. Lord, thank you that we are in a place that you would even want to bless us, Lord God. Thank you that you are so faithful to us even sometimes when we are faithless. God, you are so good to us. We appreciate all that you've done. We give we ask that you would multiply every penny that comes into this church to move the message and the life of Jesus forward in this area and in this world, Lord God. And we give you that opportunity. And once more, we just say thank you. And in your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Hi, I'm Anne-Marie. Welcome to Jubilee Fellowship Church. We know that you could be anywhere this weekend, but we're so glad that you chose to be here with us. JFC is a multi-site church with four different campuses around the Denver metro area. We're located in Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, Lone Tree, and Lakewood. We truly are one church with many locations. If you are new with us or looking for more information, visit our website and be sure to click on the email newsletter tab to receive information about all the great things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. Hi, my name is Dan. I want to let you know of an exciting opportunity here at JFC. We will be having our water baptisms at each of our four campuses on the weekend of September 21st and 22nd. If you are interested in being baptized, please visit our website at jfc.org baptism. Watch the brief teaching video and then sign up. We look forward to celebrating this event with you and your family. Y'all look good. Now, we installed with our new uh, stuff here, uh, Campus Vision. So I can see uh, all of the campuses now. I see the uh, Castle Rock, y'all look good too. Highlands Ranch, Lakewood, uh, so-so. But anyway, welcome. <laughs> welcome to all of our campuses. If you're here on live stream listening or later on in a podcast, thank you for taking time to listen to us. We're in the middle of this series, Discipleship, and we're going to have a good time today talking about relationships. How many of you have a relationship? Good. 
Most everybody. Okay, we're on the right track here. Hey, uh, after service today, I'm going to have a barbecue at my house. We've got some ribs. We'd like to invite everybody, all of our campuses, to come in. My wife's looking at me like, are you crazy? When did this happen? All right. Would you all like to come to my house for a barbecue? Okay. Now, we're not really having a barbecue. Sorry. Uh, we just thought it'd be too far for Lakewood to drive. So, you know, we wanted to be fair to everybody, you know. So, anyway, uh, Evan's going to give me trouble here. All right. Hey, the fact is, is we sure like being invited to things, don't we? It's a good thing to be invited. I remember early on, I was a youth pastor, and I just started in the ministry, and I was green and scared. And I went to a denominational event where all these seasoned pastors and youth pastors and these whole groups of people were there, and I didn't know anybody. And uh, Brenda had a, a cousin who was married to a, a youth pastor, big guy, funny guy. And so all these festivities and services are going on. And so at the end of the, one of the events or the services, Steve comes up to me, his name was Steve, and he said, hey, why don't you come with us and all the youth pastors? We're going to go get something to eat. I cannot tell you how good that made me feel. I was afraid. I didn't know what I was doing. I was 21 years old. I didn't know anybody. And this big guy, he's about 6'4", about 350, comes up and says, hey, come join us. And that moment, I realized something so cool about an invite. It opens up a doorway to people to feel loved, belonging, and all sorts of things, and the food was good too. He took me to a Mexican buffet thing. He ate tons of food. And then we went to Baskin Robbins, and he had the tin scoop ice cream uh, uh, pig's trough, whatever they call it. And he had caramel and marshmallow and chocolate and all sorts of fruit. There's a reason he was 350 pounds. But anyway, good guy. That changed something in the way that I thought about what we did. And when we start looking at the idea of come, invite, join me, there's something that is released in people that they feel good about. So ever since then, I've looked at ways to say, hey, come along. And I like the idea that as a church, we're going to look at discipleship today and look at the relational aspect of that. Now, all of us here would be honest to say, in some form, if it's a good form, we all like to belong to something. We all like to be a part of a community. There's something good about doing that. All right. And I was looking at this. A lot of us can look back in our life or even presently at something we belong to. Any of you here was part of a college fraternity? Okay. And I love these college fraternities because they have lifelong bonds, man. They, they carry it through and they have all their hand signals for their team and they get rowdy on game day. Uh, you know, in Colorado, we have a couple uh, uh, college football teams. They're not really great. They, they've had been in the past, but... but <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Uh, but uh, when we lived in South Carolina, we uh, were exposed to what uh, Southeast Conference football was all about. And it's all about craziness. It's insane. All right. And every weekend, all right, that the football games were going on with these college, colleges, I mean, people would wear to church their colors. The interesting thing is in South Carolina, there was two teams, Clemson and South Carolina. And uh, there were people from both colleges in our church. We had a lot of prayer going on those weekends where they played each other, all right? And our worship leader was from South Carolina, or Clemson, and uh, if they lost that weekend, I'm telling he was our worship leader, it was really bad worship. You did not feel the presence of God. You didn't feel anything but just his anger and disappointment and all that kind of stuff. But we carry that over. Uh, any of you been part of the military in the past? 
What does the military do? They make you be part of a community. You belong. And you have a whole thing that happens with that, that for the rest of your life, you wear the, the, the core tattoo or you, you embody that belonging, that connecting. Some of you may be a sports team uh, of some kind. Maybe you've played sports in the past. You carry that on. Some of us, it's church. How many in the past would say your church was a place that you belonged? It was a community for you. I grew up in a church. It was a little Pentecostal church, and we were crazy as all get out. And I look back now and wonder, what in the world were we doing? But let me just tell you, because we were crazy, we had to hang together, all right? We really did, all right? And I'd bring friends to church, and our pastor was old-fashioned Pentecostal, and he would literally get down and walk on the carpet, and his hair would stand out. He had jet black hair and that static electricity, and his hair would stand out and look like a straight afro. It was so funny. And my friends would look at me and like, what is going on? Why is he so mad? <laughs> you know? And he would come over, and if, he, you know, if he'd come over to do something, and he'd zap you with that static, you'd like, wow. Your friends would think, man, this place has got the power of God or something. But anyway, so all that was good. But my first real taste of what I would define as a true biblical church community happened when we left that denomination. We went out to, uh, at the invitation of a friend to come and be a part of a church in South Carolina. I've told you before a little bit of the story, but it was a great church. It reached all sorts of people, a lot like GFC here in the sense of, 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 of just really alive with various groups of people from various backgrounds. But I'm, I'm the guy coming out of this rigid Pentecostal church background and thrust into the, 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 the group of, of, of all sorts of other religious people. And uh, I happened to get the group of the party group, and uh, uh, Greg, the pastor, said, look, I want you to lead this group of guys. They're, they're into sports, and you're a sports guy, so I think you'll have a connection there. And so we met, we started this group, and it became one of the most amazing experiences of our life. We lived life together. It wasn't just a meeting that we had. We lived life together. We would date together, I mean, as a group. Uh, we would all go out and do things like that. We would go uh, uh, on places together. When the hurricane came through there in, in 1988, uh, we all got in a caravan as a group and went back roads to uh, a safe hotel location. All right? All of those things were something that we experienced. Now, we had Sunday school growing up. But Sunday school was you go in, you, you have your lesson, and you go out. And, and because it was age appropriate, yeah, a couple of the kids in that uh, Sunday school were my friends, and we'd hang out after that. But this was community. This was something where if something was going wrong, you could talk to it and bring it up. We would get into great discussions about all sorts of spiritual things, all sorts of historical things of the South and the North, things that I had no clue existed until I moved to South Carolina. Uh, we, had, we had fun. We would go, and each couple would host, and we'd go to each other's house, and uh, I happened to be kind of a little bit of a prankster, and we'd play pranks on people's house. You know, there's a great one. Just let me tell you, this is a good one. If you go for dinners for eight, just remember this one. It's really good. Bring a rubber band, and at those faucet things that you have sprayers, put the rubber band on that thing, okay, and face it at them. It's so good. When they hit the water, it sprays them, and y'all did, you've never done that? Okay, don't do it. So the point I'm making is we were so comfortable with each other that we could do stuff like that. They'd come to our house and do pranks. We just loved being together. And that was the atmosphere that I began to learn what a church community could be. It wasn't all fun. It wasn't all crazy. It was really very important marriage stuff, very important family stuff, 
Uh, the guys would meet uh, uh, for lunch once a week and talk about what God is doing in their life. We would talk about their businesses. We'd talk about uh, what God wanted to do through the church. We'd talk about sports, everything. It's a great experience. That changed me, okay? From then on, that was the benchmark. That was the standard that I thought we should know as a church and have for what small groups should be. So I came out of that thinking, all small groups are like that. How many know that's not true either, Okay. A lot of people have not had that experience with that kind of thing in small groups. So I want to talk about what that means in a church because what I've learned since then is that experience, the vehicle that God did work in our lives and changed us to become more like Christ wasn't necessarily about small groups. It was about relationship. Does that make sense? Now, the small group was the vehicle. All right, since then, I've had a discipleship with a good friend, an elder that was in our church in South Carolina, that became my best friend. We would meet face-to-face. We would talk. We would have a lot of discussions about these kinds of things. We grew very close. We had relationship. Was that a small group? In essence, yeah. Two guys sitting at a Burger King drinking coffee. Well, he drank coffee. I ate croissants and all that kind of stuff. But it was what I would define as a relationship that built us into the thing more like Christ. Now, here's the good news. All right? I had the chance to live out an experience that was God-ordained. I had a chance to really enjoy something that God wants for all people, all right? The invitation at the beginning with God was, join me, come, be a part. They're the words that we like to hear. So join me has been the invitation from God in the beginning. You cannot have discipleship apart from relationship. I know there are some circles that frame discipleship in some kind of an academic mindset that you learn about God, but that isn't it. Pastor Dan was saying earlier, he was reading something that said about all the one another's in the Bible, all right, talking about loving one another and and encouraging one another. He went through all these, uh, you know, challenging one another, uh, all those, and he said at the end, it's all about one another. You cannot have the body of Christ without one another. You cannot be a true disciple without other people involved in that process. It all begins and ends in relationship. And it's in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis chapter 127, let me show you something in this verse. God created human beings in his own image. Would you take a moment on your notes, campuses, and underline in his own image? Because something there reveals the nature of God that sometimes we miss. We go right to the creation of man and miss the point. All right. In teaching on this, we do talk about we're made in the image of God, spirit, soul, body, all that kind of stuff. But here's something I want you to see in this passage today. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. From the whole story of God, in his image, what is God's image? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is a relationship began in heaven far beyond the beginning of mankind where God was in relationship. And he put that image in our heart when he created us. He didn't create us separate. God is not separate. God is in relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit. It is the whole story of God about relationship. And at the end, we wrap up the Bible with Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. It says, the Spirit and the bride relationship The Spirit and the Bride say, come. I will tell you today, that is the best invitation you will ever get in your eternity of life. That, to me, speaks to my heart when God says to me, Terry, come, come. I invite you to experience eternity with me. The verse says, let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires, 
drink freely from the waters of life. The invitation is to come. The whole story, beginning to end, of God and man is about relationship and the invitation to belong and to be a part of something. We see this in the life of Jesus, starting his ministry. I'm going to use this as a template for our message today, beginning at Luke 6, 12. It starts with the, uh, Jesus. One day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. He had a relationship with his Father. Everything that Jesus worked through into this world came as a result of a relationship with the Father. Every one of us here, to have the right sense of belonging and community, have to have a relationship with the Father. That comes through Jesus Christ. I will tell you, ministry and life and discipleship and relationship and church happens right when we're having this with God. You've heard Pastor John say it time and time again. If it can't be right here unless it's right here. Talking about forgiveness and all sorts of relational things that relate to problems that people have. So, Jesus did nothing outside the will of the Father. Being with God, spending that time with God, he knew what God wanted him to do. His life was based not on this kind of super pseudo, I'm just going to walk around and all. He had relationship with the Father. He had communion with the Father. He knew what the Father wanted him to do. We all need that if we're going to be in a right relationship in the belonging in the community of the church. Number two, he had a relationship with disciples. All right, verse 13, at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Now, what that infers is there were more disciples, but these men were called to be apostles. There were many followers in Jesus. We'll talk a little more about this later, but in Luke or, or John chapter 6, many of the followers quit going. All right, now, and I want to wrap up the message with what happened in John chapter 6 because some neat things happened there that we need to be aware of. All right, but here's what that calling meant at that time. I've been spending a lot of time just trying to really understand what discipleship's all about. I'm the relation. I love relate. I love people. I just love seeing people come in. I love seeing you shaking your hand, hugging you. I love it. I I, I, I just can't explain. It. I love it. My favorite part of the service, outside of just God moving through worship and the Word, is hanging out the door, meeting people, and just week to week seeing you. I'm struck by that. I'm struck by one week that, that we get a greet, and, and, and that week maybe something happens in a life, and, and, and they die. I just, the, the, the thing of that is that, wow, this life is just here and gone, and just every weekend to connect and to care for people. I've had a chance to go to our campuses. I will tell you, I love seeing what happens at our campuses. I love going to Lakewood, and I, I'm giving Evan grief, but the fact is, at Lakewood, they're a wonderful church there, and it's so fun for me to be in a new place beginning to build new relationships there with great people. Uh, Castle Rock is the same thing, an amazing group of people. They're so welcoming. We have a lot of fun. Got tips for Hawaii from some of your folks. DJ, thank you for the Castle Rock folks. Uh, going to uh, uh, over at Highlands Ranch. All these people are so nice to me, and I just love going. They're so good to me and hanging out. And all the pastors, they just treat me with the sweetest kindness. I love going to our campuses. Now, I will tell you, I've been at Lone Tree here for almost six years, and, and this is a lot of my fabric, my roots, I just, but I'm just telling you what God has built. And I love that aspect of relationship. But it has to be, all right, built in a relationship with God and what He wants to do. But early in the Bible, if you just quick history lesson here, when you started out early in the Bible, life was communal. It was different than what we live today. It was about uh, family and tribe. 
That's how people lived their life. Relationship was a given. You didn't have messages by the tribal leader or the family head saying, okay, we're going to be talking today about relationships. They had to stick together and work together to survive. No, we don't have that today. Everybody, let's be honest, we have our little castle, all right, whether it's an apartment or a condo or whatever, and when we get home, we shut the doors and hope that the neighbor never rings the door. I mean, let's be honest, don't you? Don't you? All right, especially if your neighbor's family. No, I'm kidding. Don't, don't believe that. Okay, and then, then Scripture moved fast forward. God takes Abraham, and he's calling out a people, all right? He called out a man who will have generations after him, and he calls out, and he endorses, and, and, and a few weeks ago, Pastor John talked about uh, Israel. It's just a great message if you hadn't hear, heard it. Get that. And so you had a people, his own, called out for his own. And then after time, uh, the Jewish people began to establish this uh, model of a prophet, uh, priest, and king, all right? And out of that, you see uh, for centuries this idea of a rabbinical kind of model where rabbis were, were educated and they were uh, trained to build and develop people in their life. And so it's this context of discipleship that Jesus comes into this passage of Scripture with centuries of understanding of the history of community, of the history of rabbis, and what a rabbi did, and what the role of a rabbi was. And his discipleship was built on that model. Now, a rabbi wasn't just an educator, and sometimes we look at that and assume that's the case. But rabbis literally had... What, what's the word today they call when people follow? Uh, is it a posse or something like that? What's the word? Groupies, entourage, yeah. Well, a rabbi, they had their own version of that. They had people that would approach the rabbi and say, hey, man, we like what you're saying. We want to be a part of your group, all right? And the rabbi, whatever merit that he would decide, would say, okay, come be a part. All right, now that was the general model that took place. Now here's something happening interesting. Jesus went different on that model. He did something a little different. He didn't have people just coming to him. He went and invited people into uh, their teaching, all right? Now, for a rabbi, they were having people come, and it wasn't saying, hey, I would like to come to your rabbinical group so I could learn more about the ways of Jewishness. That wasn't it. They would come with the expectation, hey, I'm going to hang with you, Rabbi. I'm going to travel with you. I'm going to listen to everything you teach. I'm going to run and do anything that you ask. It was a different thing that we see as a culture. And so when Jesus invited from the perspective of these people with the idea of a rabbi, when he invited them in this context, it was a pretty rare thing. It's pretty unusual. But when he invited them, he didn't give them the understanding that, hey, come along for the ride. I'm going to tell you a little about the Father in heaven. It was, guys, it was about a way of life. And today we've got away from that understanding that discipleship is a way of life. And I want to really hit that today. When Christ calls us to a better understanding uh, that they had at that time. All right, today what we promote as discipleship is a lot different than what Jesus promoted. First, he called the disciples into a relationship. He didn't say, hey guys, come along, I want to teach you something. What did he say? He said, come and be a fisher of men. Jesus gave that invite. Now look, at he was not a known commodity at this time. He had lots of followers after the miracles and all this stuff, but these fishermen, there was something about Jesus' invite that spoke to these men and these women that were his followers. 
much of early process of these followers, uh, when Jesus looked at this model and said, come be a part, it meant, it meant put down your nets and come be a part of my fishing team. How many of us today really take serious God's call, call and command for us to be a disciple? How many of us are honestly willing to put down our nets to pick up the nets that Jesus asked us to take in discipleship? I struggle with that. My self gets in the way. My sin gets in the way. I struggle with that, and I know that many in the church struggle with that as well. So this idea has come, all right, is you belong to what Jesus is doing. You be a part of my relationships. You be a part of my teaching. You be a part of my vision. That's discipleship. But it all started with a relationship. The idea is come, become, and be one, a disciple. Pastor John used earlier in this series these words, believe, belong, and become. It's along that same idea. So Jesus lived this out. He modeled discipleship. And then when his ministry time in this earth was done, he returned to the Father. He gave his disciples the command to carry on that work. He sent the Holy Spirit to fill them and to anoint them to expand that work. And it was even greater once Jesus left as he promised. And so these men and women continued to do the work Jesus had started. And they were bringing people. They were offering an invitation to people to be invited into the kingdom of God. So here it is. The goal of relationship is belonging to and growing with one another. That's what happens in community. Now, okay, we want that. I want that. I want to be a part of a group of people that I enjoy, that I love. I want to grow with those people. I want all that. But you know what? You have, as people of God, something far different than maybe what the world would have in this. And that is the Holy Spirit coming and working through our relationships. The whole of the fruit of the Spirit in that passage was about the Holy Spirit coming and working in you. How would you like to be a part of people that really loved? How, how amazing would it be to be a part of a group of people that really had joy, had peace, had kindness, had patience? Have you ever been a group that that was not existent? How frustrating. Okay, some of you, you've told me you've been a part of a family that was just totally dysfunctional. And it was a mess, and everybody hated each other, and everybody always fought. All right, well, that's the opposite of what God offers with the Holy Spirit coming in His community and us experiencing what God wanted us to experience. So God's story, everything that we read in the Word, is not about you or about me. Our gospel today that we preach in a lot of churches has that bent, and that's not the whole truth. Can I tell you, God loves you today. God sacrificed everything that you may know him and accept that invitation. But let me tell you, it's not about you. It's not about me. Here's what it is. It's about us. It really is the calling of God to us as his church, as his body, as his voice, as his people on this earth. The Bible speaks about a covenant with not only a person, but a people. Imagine this, just simple things. What does the scripture say? Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, what happens? He's in their midst, all right? Everything. I, I'm seeing the Bible from a whole new context. All of a sudden, everything that I read about Jesus, about the, the Trinity of God, about the work of God, there's some relational component in that. And so last, number three, relationship with the world. In Luke 16, or 6, uh, 17 and 19. 
When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. So out of Jesus connecting with the Father, knowing the will of the Father, calling out men and women to be his disciples and to carry out the work of God, and then the ministry to the world. Our world we live in today, my friends, is hungry for truth and life and power. And Jesus demonstrated this in healing, the delivering of evil spirits. And as we see the story of Jesus, you know there's a lot more that happens here. That's just the fruit of what God did through that group. So that brings us up then to after Jesus is gone, all right, he's gone back to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit, and all of his disciples that he trained, what happens? We find in Luke chapter 2, I love this. This to me is just, uh, it's powerful. Luke chapter 2, 42 to 47. Okay, I won't read that, but let me capture all that happened in that. After Pentecost, the Bible says they were filled with the Spirit of God, and they moved. And God moved and started the first church. So here is what happened, and you see that early on in Jesus' ministry, these things are taking place now in their lives. There was teaching, there was fellowship, and I'm taking this right from those passages of Scripture. There was eating together, there was praying together, they were generous and sacrificial, they were daily meeting together. Did I say eat together? That was in the Bible twice. I'm just quoting the Bible, all right? The Bible says that they had glad and sincere hearts, and they were praising God every day. I love our church. I love you. You are God's people. You are great people. But I think I'd even love this church more. And I know that there are people out there, and I know there are theologians who says, well, God did that in a mighty way to establish the New Testament. I, I, I know all the arguments. I, I don't even know what I believe in those arguments, but I know this. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's what I'd like to see happening in my church. Wouldn't you like that in your church? Wouldn't you like the fact that there was great teaching and God was moving and shaping and discipling you, that there's great fellowship, that there's eating together? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Man, we ought to do that barbecue after church. I'm telling you, it, it just keeps coming back. So, hey, what was the outcome of that? The Bible tells us in that passage, at the end of that passage, there was a powerful work of the Holy Spirit. There were many signs and wonders that they had favor with all the people and that the people came to know God daily. Now, if you're here today and that doesn't jazz you in any way, I'm going to pray for you. Because if you look at what happened there and you see the fact that if that could happen in our church, if we could have a seed planted today in our heart that people would have that kind of relationship with God. And I know what happens here. We're thinking, golly, how can that happen? There's a cost to that. There's a, there's a real price to pay for that. And yes, that's true. And we have to then look at our heart and say, if we're not willing to pay that price, what's happening? If we're not willing to drop our nets, what's happening? Is it that our relationship with God isn't as vibrant? Do we not have His vision and understanding of His purpose? I don't know. But you have to wrestle with that today. So I finished this part with, is it possible today? Here are some pros and cons. All right? 
And I think this is where the modern church gets this point wrong. We're not called to a weekend service. I knew that'd be quiet. We're not called to a weekend service. We're not called to watch a podcast. We're not called to stay home in our PJs and watch worship and to hear a message. All of those are wonderful things. Listen, I'm a huge believer in the idea of what we do with podcasts. For many people who can't come here tonight, for many people who are sick, for people who are around this world, what a great idea that they could hear the gospel, that they could be a part of the JFC family. But I'm finding more and more people that have this attitude of, well, it's kind of hard to get to church tonight. Let's just watch it on the computer. That is not what God called us to. And if that's the, I guess I should be talking to the podcast people. I love you. <laughs> Y'all are here. Thank you. But listen, I, it's not an indictment. There are reasons that sometimes people, but if you're shirking church just because it's easy, you're missing what it's about. It's about relationship. And maybe we could do better with that, and I do believe we can. But if you're missing the coming together and the corporate worship where Pastor John and Gina bring us to a place where I just want to, you know what worship is? I want to preach for a minute. Can I do that? I'm the laid-back guy, but I'm telling you, I got something in my bones here. I, I will tell you this. What worship is, it's an expression of love to God. And if we have that relationship with God and we add the melody and the gifts of song and music to that and we start expressing that love to God, who knows what's going to happen? I know. The Bible says, I will come and inhabit the praise of my people. And if you don't want God's presence, you're missing everything about a relationship. I've experienced the presence of God. I've experienced the love that I can't even put words to you tonight. I've experienced God come down and his arms envelop me and have that kind of relationship. And we stand here on a weekend just a little bit of what God wants to do. And if we don't experience that, maybe we all ought to stay home and watch podcasts. Seriously. Now, I'm not trying to get on your case because there's a part of me that says, I want you to experience everything that God has for you here. And I hope, I hope in your heart that you want that too. I hope that you want what God wants for us. So in the modern church, it's not a weekend service, it's not a location, but it's about a person, Jesus Christ, and it's about His people. At Castle Rock, at Highlands Ranch, at Lakewood, at Lone Tree, and all the communities that God's going to establish in planting churches and discipling people. It's a way of life. It's crying with those that are weeping and facing tough times. It's helping people who need help. It's being face-to-face -face and shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder at restaurants all around our community and loving each other and helping each other. I, I think the most sad moment of our church weekend is when everybody gets up and leaves. Now, I know we've got to get other people in and out. I understand that. But you know what? How about an invitation? How about saying, DJ, we're going to go down to Panera Bread and get something to eat. Would you join us? We've lost that. We've missed that opportunity. And I think that if we understand that what we do in church is our relationship with God, as we learn about Him, as we grow in Him, but it's a relationship with one another, and as we build that. And I, I know we've had dinners for eight, and some people go, and, and some people don't have a good experience. I don't have an answer for that. We have a great, we, we have a great experience. We can't stop our dinners for eight. They keep wanting to meet. And we have no argument because it's good food. It's in there twice. Eating together, 
Did I say eating together? So let me finish with this. Is it possible to have a group that's like this group described in Acts 2? And here's what I want to tell you. This isn't theory. It is possible. As a matter of fact, this group's already happening. It's already at JFC. Now, a lot of you may not know about it. A lot of you are saying, hey, that, that wasn't on the website. I, I didn't see a brochure for that group. It's not out there. It's not, it, we're not advertising it. It's a secret group, okay? All right? But, but I want to tell you about this group, okay? All right? It's a group of people that God has established in our church that, whether intentionally or unintentionally, is modeling this that's happening. So let, let me tell you how this group happened, okay? Pastor John, several years ago, okay, several years ago, uh, as we're celebrating 15 years, God put on his heart, and he's preached before how that happened, to start a church in the Lone Tree area. So Pastor John, at that time, left Rez with the permission of the pastor there and invited some people along. And there were a group of people that said yes to that invitation. When John said, hey, join me, I have a vision to start a church down south of Denver, people said, I'm in. I want to be a part of that. When Greg at Seco said to us, come join me, we wanted to be a part of that. We were excited about the vision that God had. So some people came. And all, I, I remember early on, uh, 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 one of the first meetings that we came to, we were actually in South Carolina, but we came up to visit family. They were in the elementary school, all right? And I remember coming in, and, 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 and there were just these chairs set up, and there wasn't a lot of people then, but, but John was just this just so young looking. I mean, the guy's amazingly young looking anyway. I hate him, you know. <laughs> but back then he looked like a kid almost. And here is this kid and, and back then dressed up a, a little more formal, you know, as church did back then. And, and, and he's, he's so excited. And, and there's a group of people that just pulled it all together and, 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 and had these banners and these chairs and these little corners for kids and all that. And I thought, man, this is so good. And then John preaches, and the vision and the heart that he had for this community came out. And it wasn't nothing like it is today. Trust me, John would say it was nothing like it was today. But it was the beginning of what God did. And over that time, John began to meet people that he had a kindred spirit with. And John gave an invitation. And he said, come join. And those are the part of the people that are part, those are the people that are part of his group. These are people, and we didn't come out and say, hey, let's, let's model this. John didn't say, you know, I've read Acts 2 here, uh, let's, let's do this. No, no, no. He just started living out his vision according to the calling of God. And so, all of a sudden, a group of people, all right, are meeting with a vision at the invitation of John to reach a group of people here in town. People that he knew, people with various gifts and abilities, people that God put on his heart to invite. And it's continually being redefined as a group or refined as a group. But here's what happens in that group. There's teaching. There's training. There's building great campus pastors here at JFC. There's, there's discussion and development by Pastor John of leading people and teaching others how to pass on that leadership. There's eating together. Do we eat together? Those are part of the group, you better be amen, yeah. It's a praying together. It's a generous group. It's sacrificial. 
All these guys and wives just give so much to one another. There's meetings that happen daily. There's meetings that happen weekly. Did I say that we eat together? Is anybody hungry? <laughs> I mean, it's time, right? It's a group that a lot of people would really want to be a part of. But it's a group that you won't be invited to. Oh, that's, that sucks, doesn't it? You're just thinking. You're a crummy pastor, Terry, just telling us about this group and telling us that you're not going to be invited. You told me at the beginning that there was an invitation, that we all liked invitation, and that we all like to belong, and now you tell me we can't belong. Yep. I'm being honest. Go find your own group. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> just, just let, 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 I, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm just kidding you. Okay. All right. But there are a lot of people that don't feel that's fair, okay? And that's part of our culture today, all right? And you're missing the point of what I'm trying to say, all right? You're thinking, oh, that's not fair. That's, that's, that, that kind of closed group is not what Jesus intended. Yes, it is. It's exactly what Jesus intended. You go back and read your Bible and your New Testament. The invitation he gave to everybody that we read in Revelation that he gave throughout the Bible was to come, be a part of God's kingdom. But the formation development of belonging and community always has groups, and it's okay. It's okay. Everybody's invited to the kingdom of God, but what God wants to shape in you is a group of people that he wants to work through in that belonging. And it may not sound fair, but our world today just cries out, everything ought to be fair. Everybody's entitled. Everybody deserves it. That's a bunch of baloney. Let's be honest for a change. What kind of culture do you develop with that kind of teaching? I'm reading today, uh, earlier in my reading this morning, in, in, uh, uh, I can't remember where I was reading. Anyway, um, I got so many scriptures here, you have to forgive me for that. But uh, I was reading, anyway, in the New Testament, uh, in Acts. Okay, I remember now, it was in Acts. <laughs> and uh, it talks about James was one of the first of the apostles to be killed with a sword, the Bible says. And all the people who were excited here and God was doing things all right, the, 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 the people that killed James were going to kill Peter, and the word got out. And they put Peter in prison, and, and the story comes where, uh, if you remember the passage where uh, the angel came and released Peter and took him out and took him, and the people didn't even know it was Peter. They thought he was a ghost. Anyway, and then after that, listen, after that, they hid him away. Okay, God delivered him from that prison, but they hid him away. All right? And in that context, all right, I was thinking today because I was talking about this in my mind. How do I tell people that it's not fair and they accept that and be okay? Hey, James probably wasn't thinking it was fair being the first guy to get ran through with a sword for his faith in Jesus. And I was thinking, but he was one that God honors today in heaven. And, and what we see past this world, we just everything is made right there. And so what may not seem fair to you, you're missing the point. If you're looking at that, then God has something in mind for you. If you really long for a group and belonging, He has that for you. His invitation is to join Him. That's for everyone. But He has and will continue to call. God will continue to call whom He will for His purposes. He's called you, though, this, to be more than a spectator. Do you know the people that John invited in this group were all people that were giving everything to the call and the vision of this church? Many of them, full-time work with no time pay. There were people who bought into the vision, who said, I'm in, all right? A lot of people have done that, but these were people that John felt had that connection, that heart, and he called them into that group. And, and I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is 
I want you to be wanting to be a part of a group like that. I want you to be in a group like that. That is important to me. It's not that, okay, it's the only group. You can't have that. I want you to have that. But you got to be involved in more than a spectator to be a disciple. You have to be a part of other people who are becoming more like Him. People, listen to this. All right, I shared this at Sacred Singles last night because we were talking on a point, and I, this just came across. People are more connected, all right, more connected and more isolated than ever. Think about that. How many Facebook friends do you have? Some pastors brag about the fact they have 10,000 Facebook friends. 